Bills Mafia, what is up? And welcome into another edition of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross. I am your host. We are parts of the Built-In Buffalo Podcasting Network, and we have a lot of things to get to today. First of all, uh, we've got some coaching news and notes from the Buffalo Bills, uh, the New York Giants, and, of course, the, the big story that hit yesterday that Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins head coach, former defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, is suing the NFL uh, for racist hiring practices, uh, some other stuff. There's there's a lot of stuff in there. It was a 60-page you know, f- uh, filing in court. I didn't read the whole thing, so sorry about that. Like, maybe I'll read it at another time, but I, I watched all the interviews that he gave, and I've been looking at some stuff on Twitter and having some discussion with some of the people in the Built in Buffalo Twitter uh, group chat. And I've been thinking a lot about this for the past 24 hours, so I have some ideas about how the NFL can better... Um, I don't want to say fix the problem. Um, I'll get into that, but I have some ideas about that. But first, Brian Dable has indeed been hired as the coach of the New York Giants. I know the last time you heard my voice, it was still not certain. There were still interviews going on. He took Shea Tierney with him to be the quarterback's coach, which is not a surprise because he brought Shea Tierney into the NFL with him from Alabama. He also took with him Bobby Johnson, uh, you know, Bills offensive former Bills offensive line coach. I guess at this point, Bobby Johnson's contract was up, and he decided to go to New York with Brian Dable. As far as that goes, I didn't really know how to feel about Bobby Johnson because you've got Cody Ford, who so far to this point has been a complete bust. But then you've got Ryan, a guy like Ryan Bates, who comes in and plays pretty well. Spencer Brown, a rookie, comes in and plays pretty well. So it's hard to really tell what Bobby Johnson did right, what he did wrong, who's who's who should get credit for that, who should be blamed for the failures of Cody Ford. But overall, I wasn't thrilled, I guess, with, with Bobby Johnson and the offensive line in general, so I don't mind seeing him go. There was, of course, a bit of a bidding war between the Giants and the Bills, for Ken Dorsey's services, Brian Dable wanted Ken Dorsey to come be the offensive coordinator, and the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen wanted Ken Dorsey to stay and become the offensive coordinator. Apparently, the Giants offered Dorsey quite a lot of money. He gave the Buffalo Bills a chance to match it, and they did. And so Ken Dorsey is your new offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. I think this is good, mostly. There are some parts that maybe, I don't want to say some parts that are bad, some parts that are unknown. Obviously, you keep some level of continuity. You're, you don't have to, you know, Josh Allen doesn't have to get comfortable with a new offensive coordinator. They don't have to, you know, figure out if they like each other and how they're going to talk to each other and all that stuff and, and the play-calling language and all that, and that's great. But Ken Dorsey has never called plays at the NFL level. As far as I know, he's never had to, um, you know, 
designing game plan at the NFL level. Now he's done it in college as a as a coach, and obviously he was a quarterback at the University of Miami. Quarterback of the greatest college football team ever, probably. Certainly talent-wise it was. But still, I think it's a little different when you're in that chair, right? And you're the one who has to, to do the game plan. So there might be a little, uh, some ups and downs with that next year. Although I got to say that I am very excited. And one of the things that I was most concerned about with Dorsey staying was, okay, Brian Dable goes. He's going to take Tierney with him. Who, as I said last week, who does Ken Dorsey fall back on? Because he's never called plays in the NFL. Well, the answer to that, my friends, is that the Buffalo Bills have also hired Joe Brady. He of the record-setting performance at LSU with Joe Burrow, one of the most dynamic college offenses ever. He was the offensive coordinator last year for the Carolina Panthers. Got fired by the head coach, which I think is crazy. And he's now the Bills quarterback coach, so at least there's a guy now, even though Brady is quite younger than Dorsey. I think Dorsey's 42. I think Joe Brady's like 25. But anyway, it's a guy that Dorsey can lean on a little bit. Joe Brady has crafted game game plans in the NFL. Uh, I'm not really sure why Brady was fired, although... <coughs> Although rumor is is that he wasn't running the ball enough and, and Matt Rule wanted him to run the ball more, which is weird because you hired a guy to be the offensive coordinator who, like I said, had maybe the greatest offense in the college ever, and it was basically all about passing. So not sure why you'd hire that guy and be mad at him because he didn't run more. Not sure what that's about. But anyway, it seems like Things are in good hands on the Buffalo Bills offense. Obviously, they're going to have to find an offensive line coach. But the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach are set. Uh, We'll have a lot of time during the summer to get into all the, the details to see what has changed and what hasn't changed and what may change and and how it's going to be different with Ken Dorsey as the offensive coordinator. However, as I said earlier, The biggest news of the day is that Brian Flores is suing the NFL. Probably the biggest lawsuit that the NFL has ever faced, I would think, and not necessarily in terms of... He's he's sort of suing for, like, unspecified damages, which usually means money, Um, but obviously the, the, the amount that's being asked for isn't really known. It's also class action which means that he's expecting that other coaches or general manager candidates are going to jump on because they've had similar experiences that he did. And so I don't mean in terms of you know the, the monetary value being asked or you know, the amount of pla- plaintiffs, which, as I said, is still unknown. But let's be honest here for a minute. Brian Flores... Finally said out loud what I think almost all of us know. And that's that most of the NFL owners are racist. They're old white dudes. So yes, they're racist. Obviously, Jerry 
Richardson, the old owner of the Carolina Panthers, he had his franchise taken away from him because basically he was racist. So it's not like no one knew this was going on. The NFL has tried to address this now for basically for two decades. Um, you know, their response to Brian Flores was basically to say, yeah, come fight me because the NFL will always just litigate you to death. Um, you know, in terms in terms of these situations, they've got billions of dollars, tons of lawyers, and Brian Flores obviously knows this. He coached in the league. He certainly had the courage to say it out loud. And there's a lot of things, I think, that need to be unpacked here. Um, you know, the Rooney rule was put into place, like I said, about two decades ago. And the whole premise with the Rooney rule is that you're, it used to be that you had to to interview one external minority candidate for your head coaching vacancy. Uh, then they they sort of expanded it to general managers. Then they expanded it to offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. And then they expanded it to, okay, well, you have to hire two uh, external minority candidates and one internal minority candidate. And while the spirit of the Rooney rule was, I think, well-placed and well-meaning, all it really has become is that you've got teams interviewing minority candidates and the teams don't have really any interest in hiring these men for these jobs, but they have to interview them to fulfill the requirement so they don't get fined or whatever the punishment is uh, for that. So if you're a minority candidate and you get a call from a team and they want to interview you, as a coach, you've been working your whole life to get to this spot, right? Like, you want to be the head coach football team. But they're just calling you, potentially, because they're trying to fill some quota. So they don't really care what you have to say. So, once again, while it's it's well-meaning, it, it ended up being just sort of a a false bill of goods. Now, I have a proposal, I think, that may help fix some of this stuff. As I said, I've been thinking about this for about 24 hours now. But before we get into that, there's something else that, that Brian Flores alleges, which the NFL definitely is going to look at. They've already said that. Basically, Brian Flores alleges that the owner of the Miami Dolphins pulled him aside. Now, this is before they drafted Tua. So this is like the year leading up to drafting Tua. So you're obviously trying to get the best draft position possible. The owner of the Dolphins approaches Brian Flores and says, Hey, you're doing too good. I need you to start losing games because I want a better draft pick and I'll give you $100,000 for every loss that you acquire. Now, of course, Brian Flores isn't going to do this. He's a competitor. The, the, the players in the locker room are competitors. There's no way that that's ever going to happen. But obviously, that's, that's super disturbing. The NFL has to look at this. They have to address this. And quite frankly, I'd be shocked if this is true. 
I'd be shocked if they don't take away the Dolphins. If they just say, you know, bye, Stephen Ross, you got to go. And now you've got Hugh Jackson, the coach of the Browns, coming out and saying that the owner of the Browns did the same thing. That that he was that he was actually paying him. It wasn't like a proposal. I mean, I guess it was a proposal at some point, right? But like he was actually paying him for the losses. Now, I don't know if Hugh Jackson agreed to it or if he just started putting extra money in his bank account like the owner, you know, without Hugh Jackson really knowing at first, but Hugh Jackson alleges that this actually took place. Again, if this is true, Jimmy Haslam has got to go as the owner of the Browns. You can't have this. This attacks the competitive integrity of the National Football League, and the NFL can't have it. they they got to get rid of these guys. By making it a class action lawsuit, obviously Brian Flores, all the coaches around the league talk to each other. And certainly I'm, I'm sure the African-American ones talk to each other. So Brian Flores is obviously expecting many more coaches, GMs, or you know candidates to be coaches or GMs to join this lawsuit. A lot of guys have already come out on Twitter and said, oh, I'm going to join the lawsuit. I've got the receipts. So this is really fascinating, but it brings up a question of what do you do about it? And this is something we talked about um, in the Built in Buffalo Twitter group chat earlier today. And I, I'm i not sure. Because you can put all these systems in place. But how do you know what's in the heart and the mind of an individual? Like, how would you ever know that? And, and the same thing goes with, with him proving it. And I know Mike Florio got on Pro Football Talk today and was talking about how this was a landmark lawsuit and and all the evidence is right there. Because in the history of the NFL, there's been hundreds, maybe thousands of head coaching vacancies that that have come up, obviously, with, you know, (laughs) team after team after team, right? And, like, only 33 African Americans have ever been hired for those, those jobs out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Okay, but that's not really like proof. You know, proof would be getting text messages, which which Brian Flores has text messages from Bill Belichick. And and here's the part that I think that, that I think Bill Belichick did this on purpose. I've seen other people say this. Basically what happened is Brian Dable has text messages. I mean, sorry, Brian Flores. Brian Flores has text messages from Bill Belichick. So I don't know how Bill Belichick found out this information, but, I mean, he's Bill Belichick. Brian Dable used to work for Bill Belichick. Brian Flores used to work for Bill Belichick. So Bill Belichick sends a, finger quotes, mistaken text message to Brian Flores, mistakenly thinking it's Brian Dable. And so this is on, I think, I don't know, Wednesday or something. So it says, hey, Brian, congratulations. The Giants and the Bills both tell me that you're the guy the Giants want. I'm so happy for you, this, that, the other. Now, Brian Flores hasn't even interviewed for the Giants job yet. So at first, Flores is like, wow, like, 
thanks, man. I haven't even interviewed yet. And, and, and a few other, you know, texts are exchanged. And then Belichick, you know, mistakenly, right, is says, oh, this is Brian Flores? I thought I was texting Brian Dable. So the premise is, is that ever since, you know, all these different investigations of the Patriots by the NFL, the NFL doesn't like the Patriots. The Patriots don't like the NFL. So this is Bill Belichick, like, basically screwing over the league. Like, exposing this in, like, a finger quotes, accidental way. Like, I accidentally texted the wrong person. Like, Bill Belichick doesn't know how to text. You know, he says all this dumb shit in his press conferences. Like, I don't even know what face, you know, face snap is. Like, like he obviously does because he's combining the two first names of two different social media networks together, but whatever. So he obviously, the guy's the smartest guy to ever coach football defensively, but he can't figure out how to text somebody. Come on. So Bill Belichick basically does this on purpose to, like, give Dable, like, Flores a heads up that, that you know, they hadn't, like, that basically they were just bringing him in to fulfill the Rooney rule. That, you know, Brian Dable was the front runner all the way along. So this leads me back to, okay, so you've got this text message, right? But you, you need more than that. You need something from Steve Mara or John Tish or, or you know, Joe Shane that basically says, yeah, that Brian Flores guy, we'd never hire a black guy. So I don't know. Does that exist? I have no idea, but that's the kind of proof that you need. You need phone records, emails. Look at the John Gruden situation. They had all these emails. I, does Brian Flores have all these emails? So my question becomes is, is asking a coach to tank and offering to pay them racist? Was it is, was that ever done to a white guy? Was there some white guy who's coaching the league who an owner was like, hey, man, I can really use you to tank right now. I'll give you 50 grand. Joe Shane has watched Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have the – the ideal connection and symmetry that you want between a head coach and a general manager. He's he's watched that system and the way that they move in lockstep, and I know that's something we all hear all the time from Sean McDermott, we move in lockstep. He's seen that firsthand. So wouldn't Joe Shane want that for himself? Wouldn't he want to bring a coach with him that he feels like he's going to have that synergy with? And apparently he didn't think that was Brian Flores. He thought it was Brian Dable. So is that racist? And I say this because there's no doubt that the NFL is racist, but I feel like it has to be like... Uh, you know, situation by situation thing. Because I don't see any Bills fans, whether it's in the, my group chat or on Twitter, who are like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess Joe Shane is racist. Everybody's like, oh, it makes sense that he brought Brian, da brought Brian Dable. Okay. And as far as I'm concerned, if you pay attention to what the New York media was saying, even before Joe Shane was the general manager, one of the first names that popped up that the Giants owners reportedly want to talk to is Brian Flores. And this is before Joe Shane even got the job. So somebody was leaking this information 
that the owners were real high on Brian Flores. And even up, up to, like, the decision, if you go read those reports, it sounds like Joe Shane and the Giants' ownership weren't seeing eye to eye. It sounds like ownership was trying to get him to, to pick Brian Flores. And he didn't want Brian Flores because he's more comfortable with Brian Dable. Like, it's all out there on social media. Just go look it up. So, again, like, if there's all these reports about how the Giants owners were, you know, they wanted Brian Flores, is that racist? Because they, they deferred to their general manager, who their general manager felt most comfortable with? Once again, he did the proof. And he named other other teams. He named the Denver Broncos and... I don't know, another team, I don't remember, whatever. But basically he's suing the entire league, so naming individual teams seems a little silly. And don't get me wrong, it's a problem. It's obviously a problem. The point is, is how do you legislate it? How do you prove it? And I saw, you know, uh, Jay Spence had a Twitter Spaces discussion, I believe, last night. A lot of people in there, a lot of the the big time, uh, you know, Buffalo Bills fans, you know, the people who've got like, Six, seven, eight thousand followers on Twitter, and Bruce Exclusive was in there, and uh, Sterling Furrow was in there. And I listened to some of it for a little while, and and I think it was a really good discussion. And and I think they made some good points. And one of the points they made was, you know, we've been looking at this as a bottom-up discussion, right? Like, let's get some young black coaches, uh, young black executives have them work their way up and then become candidates and and then they'll get hired. So and then you know Bruce kind of made the point it's not really a bottom up, you know. You got to look at it from the top down. Like what would help the situation from the top down? Having some of the owners not be white guys. Now the Denver Broncos are for sale. Apparently the front runner is a group um, where maybe like the main person in this potential owner group ownership group is uh, an African American businessman. That's great. There needs to be more diversity. But how do you know he's going to hire a black guy? What if he interviews ten guys and he decides on a white guy? Then what do you do? Now I know that people tend to hire more within their ethnic circle or their 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 income circle right women tend to hire more women like if if business owners wise and stuff and so i'm not saying that won't help but to me this is such a big problem that's not enough so what do you do well the first thing i would say is that don't abandon the bottom up strategy hit it harder yeah i think brandon brandon bean has done a really good job with this in the Bills front office. He's he's got two uh you know executives <coughs> that are working for him. One of them's probably going to be the next assistant general manager of the Bills. There there's actually there's three. Um three uh you know African American guys working in the front office and they've all already been on on potential future GM lists there's also two women who are working their way up through through the, the business side of, of the bills and the scouting and 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 the salary cap and stuff like that so I think that Brandon Bean has been has been very inclusive and I think that's what you need 
we're going to need people like Brandon Bean and people like Joe Shane and people like Andy Reid to saturate their organizations with the best men or women possible and then let them flourish, give them the education they need. And then you've got to find a way to get owners to hire them. But I, I don't think we want to stop investing in growing, um, you know, I don't know, growing, but you, you see what I'm saying, developing these people in all different kinds of minorities, not just, not just women. Uh, what about black women? What what about Hispanic males, right? Like, you want to diversify, so you got to keep investing. You got to keep keep getting. And then if they don't get hired, you know, that's an ownership problem that they're gonna to have to deal with. So what do you do about ownership? I've got some ideas about that. First of all, you can't make somebody hire somebody they don't want to. It's just not the way it works. Like, if I was an owner and you tried to force me to, to hire Dan Quinn, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. I don't want Dan Quinn. Brian Flores, you know, said they asked him what he th- what he wanted the outcome to be. And stop me if you heard this one before. You know, the hearts and minds thing, right? Like, we that's part of our culture now. Well, we're trying to change hearts and minds. But I see his point. So so what can we do? Well, I think we've got to find a way. I've I, I've discovered that that I think proximity breeds more understanding. So a lot of these owners are racist. Why? Are they afraid of something? Are they not comfortable with it? What's the way to defeat that? Proximity. Have conversations. Get people comfortable with things that they're uncomfortable with. I'm sure you you guys have some coworker or some friend, right? Who everyone has this coworker or this friend. You're hanging out with them at the office doing whatever or you know wherever it is and they're always saying, "Well, I don't know about, you know, so and so. Man, I I don't I don't know about, man, I don't know about them. I don't I don't know about those people, right? You hear that all the time. There's at least everyone knows at least one person, you know? And then, like, the, and then, like, the guy invites you to his house, or the or the, the the lady invites you to their house, and they're like, "Yeah, this is my best friend Tony." And you're like, "Wait a minute! You just told me at work for the last six months that that you're not a big fan of black people, and to- you, you introduced me to your best friend Tony, and Tony's a black guy. Why? What happened? What, what's different about Tony? And this is what you'll hear, right? He's one of the good ones. What does that mean? That's code for I'm comfortable with Tony. I'm not necessarily comfortable with black people, but this guy's comfortable with Tony. And that's what you have to do to the owners. You have to make them comfortable with people. How do you do that? I don't know. Like, you can have as many conferences as you want, I guess, right? Like summits and conferences. Look, I don't have all the answers, all right? But here, my point is let's get rid of the Rooney rule. But what are we going to replace it with? There's got to be something. So the NFL really needs to step up and really needs to do a better job of enforcement. And I know it's difficult because, like, Roger Goodell is hired by the owners. Like, they're his boss. So suddenly to tell them to shut up and sit down, it's kind of weird because you're telling all your bosses to shut the fuck up and sit down. But needless to say, it has to be done. 
So here's what I think something like this. First of all, get rid of this, you know, coach. They have, there's this like organization that that helps owners find coaching candidates. Get rid of it. They stink, obviously. So here's what will, what will happen. And then we've got these these guys like Jack Easterby with the Texans, who first of all, Jack Easterby is a moron. But he's trying to hire like a guy who's who's never really coaching the league in any capacity. So that's not great either. Like, how insulting is that to all these other coaches? Like, this guy's never coached in the league, but he's going to get a head coaching job, but I've been here for 10 years? I don't even get an interview? So what do we do about it? The NFL itself has got to form like a – I'm sure they'll think of some cool acronym because we love acronyms, right? I, I'm not going to think of it. But it's basically an NFL coaching pool. And there's got to be certain requirements for you to get into this coaching pool. And – whether you want to just have your name you know, in it perpetually, if you have to resubmit your name every year, I don't know. But these should be the requirements. If you've spent one year as an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, plus four years' experience as a position coach, you can enter this coaching pool. If you have two years' experience as a coordinator, then you would need only three years as a position coach. Congratulations, you're in. What if you have three years as a coordinator? Well, then you only need two years as a position coach. If you've got four years' experience as a coordinator, you're in. What about special teams guys? John Harbaugh, special teams coach. If you're a special teams coordinator for five or more years, you're in. If you want to be in, you're in. Now, what if you've never been a coordinator, right? Because, like, Mike Tomlin was really only a coordinator for one year. He was a position coach for five years. And there might be a position position coach that you want to hire that hasn't been a coordinator. Five years as, as a position coach, you can enter this coaching, the NFL coaching pool, whatever you want to call it. And then, obviously... If you've been a previous head coach, you're just in. You've been a head coach. You don't need you don't need any other requirements than that. Okay, but but how do we make people hire people they are not comfortable with or they don't want to hire? Well, we can't. However, what we can do is make sure that if they violate these ground rules, and they do what the Texans are trying to do, which is hire a guy who spent a lot of time as a backup quarterback on the bench never playing and has had little to no experience coaching anywhere in the NFL. That's not going to be allowed anymore. And now do you, do you want to attach some way to attach, um, you know, making some sort of interview of minority candidates, kind of like the Rooney Rule thing. I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. But here's here's my thoughts. If if these teams violate, what's to stop them from violating this? Okay, well, your first offense, you're going to lose a second-round draft pick, and you're going to lose like 3% of your salary cap for that year. And that may not sound like much, but this year that's about $6 million. Plus you lose a second-round draft pick. Second offense? Have them lose a first-round draft pick. Have them lose 10% of their salary cap, which this year is like $12 million. 
teams aren't going to want to lose that that salary cap money. They're not going to want to lose these draft picks. Now, the other thing that's backwards to me right now is that we're incentivizing the development of minority candidates. So if you have a African-American coach on your team that gets hired by a different team, you get draft picked. So if Leslie Frazier had been hired, the Buffalo Bills would have gotten draft compensation. Why? I, I understand the premise is that you're, you want to encourage NFL teams to, to develop minority candidates within their organization. I, I get that. But don't you have to incentivize hiring them? You can develop all the minority candidates you want, but if nobody hires them, so what? Seems pointless. So here's what I do. Right now, the team that developed, the, the team that the, the coach was on gets two third-round draft picks. I'd cut that down to one, and they get it immediately. The team that did the hiring is going to get two third-round draft picks, but they don't get them immediately. So that way, you can't take advantage of the situation. You can't hire a black coach just for the draft picks, maybe even, and then fire them a year later. I mean, you can, but you're not going to get any draft picks out of it. So here's what they do. Let's say Leslie Frazier was hired. Let's just say by the Chicago Bears. In Leslie Frazier's second year, the Bears would get a third-round draft pick. And in Leslie Frazier's third year, they'd get another third-round draft pick. However, if they hire Leslie Frazier only for one year, they don't get either of the draft. And let's say they hire Leslie Frazier and they fire him after the second year. Well, they'd get the one third-round pick, but they wouldn't get the other one because he's not their coach anymore. So something like this, I think, would work to one extent or another. Uh, I even saw Andrew Brandt. For those of you who don't know who Andrew Andrew Brandt is, he used to work for the Packers. He's a sports law salary cap guy um, who who was always kind of commenting on stuff like that. He actually teaches a a sports law uh, salary cap course at a university. Really good follow. He wrote an article today that had some of the of this stuff in it. Um, I didn't take it from him. I, I didn't you know I had all my thoughts together before I read Andrew's article. But he mentioned kind of the same stuff, more or less. So obviously, I'm kind of on the right path here because <laughs> he's a lot smarter than me when it comes to the NFL, and we both kind of came to the, the same conclusion. So basically, you know, I'll, one more time, it, it, it's you can enter the coaching pool. It's based on your experience as a coordinator and a position coach, um, you know, incentivizing the team to do hiring and as far as, as forcing people or, or, or making people hire people they're not comfortable with, you can't because you, you don't know what's in their brain. You, you might have a guy who sits through an eight-hour interview with a candidate and never has any intention of hiring him. But how would you know that unless they said it out loud or emailed it to somebody? You know, none of us are mind readers. None of us is, are Miss Cleo or anything like that. So I think like something like this is the best that the NFL... 
or any sports league can can really do, you know, within the confines of the law. Obviously, this is a huge lawsuit and it's going to drag on forever. I mean, I wouldn't expect a resolution on this, maybe not even by the start of the next season. Uh, you know, the court system is slow. The NFL can bury you in paper if they feel like it. They certainly have the resources. It's it's fascinating, but certainly don't expect a uh, a quick resolution to this at all. Next week, um, I'm trying to get a guest on next week. We'll see. It's not necessarily tied to this situation. Just uh, a guest for you guys. But I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for taking the time to hopefully you've checked out all the Built in Buffalo social media stuff. You've checked out the other podcasts. You've checked out the YouTube channel. Um <clears throat> I think we're going to be doing a little reorganizing in terms of whose podcast drops when and the YouTube shows. But, oh, we just got Mike Lindsley on the team. He's a guy I've worked with before. He gets amazing guests on his podcast. Very uh, respected media member, podcaster. So look out for his podcast. That's going to be on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And, of course, Bills Mafia, I cannot leave you before saying find a way to embrace your growth mindset, and as always, trust the process.